Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC, featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around. Our next guest, Bone Man, uh, is the perfect guy to talk to right now. And listen, um, I'm pretty sure the only reason he wants to talk to us, he got a book out. He's got to sell to you for the holidays. Could be some great reading on Panther Sundays when you don't want to watch the offense. Uh, but also, he's perfect timing for us to talk to him because I know he's got opinions on what David Tepper is doing and what's going on with the Carolina Panthers. He is Mike Florio, ProFootballTalk.com, NBC, and uh, now an author, has two great books out there that he will tell you how to buy during the holiday season. Mike Florio is back. Florio, how you been, man? What's going on? I've been great. You know, you guys never call. You never write. I'm easy to find, and that's okay. That's okay, but I appreciate it. Bone reached out to me, I think, to wish me happy Thanksgiving. I can't remember what it was, or he wanted something, money. I don't know. <laughs> But it was nice to it was nice to catch up with you guys again. I think about you from time to time, and I feel bad for you and the rest of the Panthers fans <laughs> this year because you know there was some vague hope going into the season, but it it evaporated pretty quickly. It did. Sorry, Mike, we haven't been in touch. We've been in hell here for a while. We're trying to climb out of this thing. <laughs> oh my God, Florio! Listen, we've played a lot of the clips of your stuff. You know, we've been you know hearing a lot of what you've been saying, and you're preaching to the to the choir. You you seem to believe what we believe, which is this is. This problem starts with David Tepper. Like, free people get mad at Frank Reich for his struggles, but it all goes back to Tepper, right? Well, look, every owner of every professional sports team has some degree of involvement, some degree of it. And it goes from glorified fan who just counts the money and is consulted before major decisions are made all the way through Jerry Jones, who made himself the general manager of the Cowboys when he bought the team in 1989, which would be unheard of today if someone would try to do that when buying a team. Tepper is far closer to Jones, and it became clear yesterday the way he explained the processes. He is involved in all these decisions. He's got not just a vote. He's got full and complete say to the point where if there's five in the room and four say one thing, he has the ability to do the other thing. That was a very telling statement. And even though he said he cast his vote at the very end of the process, do you really think he keeps his mouth shut during the no process? Way. About no the way. That's crazy. And I know for a fact that he was making his views known about which quarterback he wanted before it was time to have a vote that ended up being unanimous. Think about that. It's unanimous between the coaching staff and the scouting staff. Now, he slipped and said almost unanimous, and uh, I believe it was unanimous. So <laughs> there may have been a holdout or two, but for the most part, when the guy who's going to make the final decision is putting his thumb hard on the scale as you're going through the process, this is called what I call billionaire's privilege. 
You never have to come out and say what you want when you're a David Tepper. You just have to say, you know what? And and the example I use in Playmakers, my my nonfiction book that's been out for a couple of years, if the owner walks through the front door at the reception area in the facility and there's a bowl of candy and it's Twix, and he's, I, I, what is this? I've never had this before, Twix. Oh, I, and he eats it. He says, this is the best candy I've ever had in my life. I prefer this candy to any other candy that you could ever, you could ever have. There's going to be Twix <laughs> falling out of the cabinet everywhere you go. You don't have to say, go get Twix. So the fact that he's involved, the fact that he's expressing his opinions before it's time for everyone else to say between Bryce Young and T.J. Stroud who they want, that's going to cause it to be unanimous. That's going to make it easier for him. He's not going to have to veto Frank Reich. He's not going to have to veto the rest of the coaching staff. He's not going to have to veto Scott Ritter. He's not going to have to veto anyone because they all know if they want to be perceived as being in line with the owner and part of the team, you're one of us, aren't you? Remember that Seinfeld episode? You're one of us, aren't you? (laughs) To be one of us, you got to stay a step ahead of the boss. And when the boss is dropping the end, you you make your evaluation go in the direction where you know the boss's evaluation is going. And that's plain and simple what happened. That's how he's running the team. And you're stuck with it because as Jed York, the owner of the 49ers, said several years ago when that team was in the midst of real dysfunction, you can't fire the owner. Yeah. Mike, what was your overall view of how the presser was handled yesterday with the PR staff and the amount of questions that he took and all that, all the fallout from, from that part of it? Well, I I think that Scott Fowler's complaint is reasonable and fair. If he's sitting in the front row like Horshack, that's a very dated reference, Google it, kids. But if he's sitting in the front row like Horshack saying, ooh, 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 pick on me, and they're ignoring the guy who just wrote the day before that David Tepper should fire himself and basically said just because this guy made billions running a hedge fund doesn't mean he knows Jack Diddley squat about football. I could see why he didn't get a chance to ask the question and embarrass the emperor while he's riding butt naked on a horse down the middle of the street. I mean, that's the mindset we're dealing with here. And it's not exclusive to Charlotte. It's just the most obvious example of it now where you've got somebody who has amassed tremendous money and power and he doesn't want to be questioned by anybody. He doesn't want to be scrutinized by anybody. He doesn't want to hear any pushback from anyone and he also wants to reserve the hat, uh, the, the, the opportunity to pass the hat for taxpayer money to renovate or build a new stadium. He'll have a different attitude then. But for now, he doesn't want any of the commoners pushing back on his belief that he knows what's right. And it doesn't matter whether he's right or not. It's his team, and he's going to do whatever he damn well pleases. Yeah, yeah. We're talking with Mike Florio. He is waxing poetic here about our issues with our owner, David Tepper. Got a he horse is, shack and a butt naked reference already. Oh, I love it. I love it, man. We're playing Florio Bingo here, man. Like 70s sitcom reference. <laughs> Emperor has no clothes reference. We're working our way there. By the way, before he gets out of here, we're going to have him tell you all about these two great books he's got for sale. And one of them's for the sale of one of them for a great cause is Local Animal Shell. We're going to let him tell you all about that. Uh, here's my question as a Panther fan because I agree. With, with just about everything you're saying, if not everything you're saying, and we are, I'm very frustrated with David Tepper myself, but the one thing as a Panther fan, and I don't know, you could tell me if I'm clinging to something that's not worth clinging to, or if you think it's possible. The one thing I say is, he's a smart guy, obviously, right? Uh, he has made a lot of money, he's sharp, 
at some point, maybe he'll figure out. I think some owners do, Florio, and some owners, Daniel Snyder, never figure it out. Do you think there's a chance he figures out, hey, I got to pull back more. I got to let my football guys do it. Do you think there, does he ever master this? Or do you think he is doomed to always be this guy as an owner? Well, most people, by the time they reach 66, which is how old he is, are who they are. And there isn't a whole lot of changing going on. They expect everyone around them to change and adapt. And they get frustrated. They do things like yell the F word as they're leaving the locker room because they don't understand how the rest of the world doesn't adapt and change to them. So I don't hold hold out a whole lot of hope that he's going to somehow realize. The only way he can change, the only thing he can do at this point is make – and, and there's no way to guarantee that you're making a great hire because it, it's, it, there's a randomness to it. You don't know until you put the person in place. But you just have to, you have to say, I'm going to behave like a fan. I'm going to act like a fan. I'm going to sit in the luxury suite and watch the game. You know, the only difference is the fans pay the money and I get the money. But otherwise, I'm going to trust the people who've been doing this their whole lives to do their job. And I'm not going to think because I'm smart, because I've been wildly successful in some other industry, and because I've been watching football my whole life, it qualifies me to know what I'm looking for. I think I know what I'm looking for, but I really don't know because I haven't been doing this my whole life. I think that is what he needs to acknowledge at some point. I think a lot of this, guys, a lot of this traces to these folks who get started as NFL owners, as minority owners of the Steelers. Jimmy Haslam was just like Tepper early on. And I don't know how much better he's gotten. I think he's gotten better at concealing how much he is like Tepper and he's not as open about it. It's not as obvious as it was in the first few years, but you know, the Rooney's have always been involved in the management of the team because the team goes all the way back to the thirties and art Rooney was involved from the time he bought it. The original art Rooney, art Rooney senior. Now art Rooney, the second, he's very involved with that team. He doesn't wear it on his sleeve. He doesn't have these clunky press conferences where he explains to the world that he's got veto power over anything that happens and he's willing to use it. But I think, you know, to the extent that they watch how the Steelers are run from the inside, they think they can do the same thing. The difference is the Roonies have 100 years of institutional knowledge on how to run a football team in the NFL as it's grown and evolved over the years. These are folks who have been doing other things who just show up and say, I'm rich, I'm smart, it's my team, I can do what I want, and I know what's best. And, uh, yeah, the only hope is David Tepper is next-level self-aware, which, based on yesterday's press conference, I don't think he is, where he understands the limits of his abilities, and at some point he becomes committed to saying, I'm just going to get out of the way. Mike, how difficult is this search going to be for Tepper to get someone that he wants at the top of the wish list when you factor in Tepper's involvement here, the roster depth being so poor, and they don't have a number one draft choice this year? Well, I think anybody that's got options is going to choose to go somewhere else. Now, the way that he breaks that tie is to make a financial offer that they can't refuse. And a lot of people have been talking about $70 million or so in buyouts that he's already committed to. Remember, Nebraska let him off the hook when they hired Matt Rule because there's an offset obligation in those contracts. And so when Matt Rule lands on his feet in Nebraska making as much or more or close damn to what he was going to make over the balance of his contract with the Panthers, he's only dealing with the Frank Reich right off, or, or, or buyout now. But 
but it's a write-off. It's no big deal. Like it's it's funny money. It's it's nothing. It's a drop in the bucket when you consider what Tepper has yeah. and how much more he's going to keep making. See, that's the thing. All these owners win if we look at it from the standpoint of how much money you're making. It's wildly profitable to be an owner of an NFL team. It's a great investment. The asset constantly appreciates, but they're so caught up in this little game among billionaires to see who's got the biggest yacht, right? Who's doing the best? Who's got the best team? And he's, he's, that's his competition right now. He's not competing with other teams. He's competing with other billionaires to be the king of the billionaires. That's why he's so driven to do this. Last thing I'll ask you before before we hear all about the books and you tell everybody where to get these um, is about Bryce Young. I know you and you and Sims have talked about it a lot. I I look at Bryce Young, and if, I, if I'm going into fanboy mode, you tell me. You tell me what you think. I look at him and still feel like I think there's a good quarterback in there. I think we see flashes, but, man, it's impossible. Everything he's up against, the lack of protection, lack of running game, receiver, scheme, all that is really holding him back. Do you think that's kind of too pie in the sky? Like, how worried are you that Bryce Young is going to be a bust? Well, here's the problem. Guys now in today's NFL, especially at the quarterback position, they get thrown into the fray almost immediately. Rarely do they sit. Rarely do the, do the planets line up in a way where you can get a Patrick Mahomes and put him on the bench for a year behind Alex Smith with a team that's already good enough that there isn't a ton of pressure to get that first-round pick on the field. And you've got a great coaching staff already in place like Mahomes did. I mean, Mahomes yeah. had a lot of things fall his way. And this is why I'm a firm believer. If you're a Bryce Young, if you're a Caleb Williams, if you're a guy who is poised to be the top pick in the draft, you need to be willing to exert some influence over this destination and have the warning signs go off that I really don't want to be part of this offense. I don't want to be part of this team. I don't want to be working for this owner, whatever the case may be, you got to be willing to push back and not just submit to the process because it sets your career on a course that might never change. The perception becomes the guy's a bust when the reality is he never had a chance to develop the right way. Now, all that said, all that said, and this was something that Chris Sims said in the run-up to the draft, and he's very good at evaluating these quarterbacks coming out. And and you never know. what At the end of the day, it's still a crapshoot. It's still a lottery ticket, and you scratch off the silver paint, and you find out what happens through the passage of time. But 510 is a warning sign for a lot of coaches. There's going to be coaches out there who are going to be candidates for this job that really don't want a 5-foot, 10-inch quarterback, but I want to be a head coach in the NFL, so I'll just deal with it, and maybe I'll be able to pivot to another quarterback at some point. I think that's not happening in Carolina because they're all in with Bryce Young because they're going to keep pushing – to try to prove they picked the right guy. But, you know, there isn't some quality that jumps off the page that says this guy's going to be a franchise quarterback. He needs to be in the right system with the right teammates and everything has to fall right, and then he can flourish and develop. The problem is by then, C.J. Stroud may be the league MVP or the quarterback of a team that's made it to the playoffs multiple times, and the gap keeps getting bigger and bigger, and it creates this impression that the guy is a bust when the truth may very well be he never had a fair shot to develop. Yeah, that's sad but true, man. All right, uh, cheer me up, Florio. Give me so, give me a couple holiday gift ideas. Two great uh, books that you wrote, man. How, what are they about? How do they get a hold of these? Well, 
I don't know if I was on to talk to you guys about Father of Mine. Yeah, we definitely can talk to you on that. I bought, I bought it, and I, that was that was unbelievable. That was an unbelievable book. Did you book. read it? Yes. I, see, I, don't, don't, I don't want to play this game on the air, but I had somebody say to me, hey, I read your book, and it was great. And I said, what's it about? And I got the blank stare. Okay? So, <laughs> no, so organized, anyway, a true story of like, organized crime. And it's about West Virginia. I read it about a year ago. I'm staying quiet, yeah. but Bone read it. I did read it, yes. It's 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 not it's not a true story, but it's inspired by true yeah. events. Because my dad was a bookie where I grew up in the town, sixty miles from Pittsburgh in the northern Panhandle of West Virginia. And I did, you know, when you're a kid and you're around, you you get a sense of how that world is. But uh, that that has been available for several months. It's fourteen ninety nine for the print edition, four ninety nine for the ebook. But the Christmas book that I wrote it a couple of years ago. Last Christmas, we posted on the website like an advent calendar, one chapter a day. This year, I decided, let's get it printed up. Let's get it put in the right format, in the right setting, make it available, take the money, and donate it to our local animal shelter here, the, Harris, the Humane Society of Harrison County. Awesome. Uh, they provide care and feeding for dogs and cats that are awaiting their permanent homes. But it is a Christmas book with an uplifting message. It's, it's a little, I don't want to say it's dark, but you know you got to to get to the payoff. You got to you got to. What was the line from Shawshank Redemption? I I waded through five hundred yards of the foulest smelling bleepity bleep bleep to get to daylight. But you know I think it's a, it it carries the sense of some of the 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 feelings that some people have during the holidays. There's a lot of regret. There's broken relationships in families, and. I hope what happens, and I got this great feedback last year from some of the people who read it on the website. I want I want it to, number one, be something that's enjoyable and entertaining at the end of the day. But at the same time, if it inspires people to say there's a relationship in my life that needs to be fixed, I'm going to fix it this holiday season. Or also, if there's a relationship that is too late to be fixed because the other person is no longer around or just won't talk to you no matter what, find a way to come to terms with it, forgive yourself for whatever you think you did wrong and move on with your life. Cause that's a heavy burden to carry, you know, life's hard enough without yeah. beating yourself up over something that you can't fix. So it's three ninety nine. I had to stop and think it's three ninety nine for the ebook. You can find nothing for $3 and 99 cents. I dare you to find something worth three ninety nine. That's actually, you know, something you'd want to have and nine ninety nine for the print edition. And it's an easy gift idea because you're thinking, what am I going to get this person? What am I going to get that person? Well, just buy a stack of these, buy 10 of them, ninety nine ninety. You got 10 of them that you can just give to people and say, Hey, I heard this book is pretty good. Happy holidays. Here you go. And you move on. So, we spend more at the, nice. we spend more at the vending machine on a daily basis than three ninety nine. So <laughs> Sad also, but true. Mike Mac asked me before you came on, if father of mine will be a, a show on Netflix at some point so we can watch it. <laughs> yeah. and, and here's the thing. My I'm bad, Florio. It's not you. It's hey. my lack of reading. <laughs> but, but, but you know what? It, I think it's perfectly suited to something like that. Yeah, Probably a series more than a film. And there's, you know, the wheels move slowly in that world, but the wheels are in motion. They're grinding slowly, but the wheels are in motion. So, so yeah, Mac, you may never have to read it, or you may end up reading it after <laughs> you see the show and you say, 
hey, you know what? I really like that. Maybe I'll actually teach myself to read first and then go read the book. <laughs> Once I learn that oh, reading thing, man. I'm going to hit these books up, man. All right, so go to uh, Pro, uh, on Twitter. Go to Pro, at Pro Football Talk. He's got it pinned right there, the Cyber Monday link. You click on George Costanza's head in the picture, <laughs> and it'll take you right to where you can buy one or both of these books. Florio, you are the man. It's great to catch up, brother. Have a great holiday, and thanks for coming on. All right, hang in there, everybody. I, I can't say it will get better, but uh, who knows? The only way to find out is to keep going. <laughs> what a message. What gonna, a message of encouragement. I'm going to read the Christmas book during all Sundays from now on. Seriously, that's a better thing to do. All right, there you go. Mike Florio, Thanks, Pro Mike. Football Talk. Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. We got Joe Person, people. Joe Person, the star of the press conference, at least one of them, at the beginning when all the fans were elated to hear Joe reveal the record to David and just basically say, look, man, this is a record that is among the worst in American sports right now. Fans loved that, and so we went and got him. Joe Person of The Athletic joining us here on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Joe, we appreciate the time, man. How are you? Hey, man, I'm good. I'm just... Uh... Just getting in the car to head to practice, so hopefully you got good reception here, buddy. No, we do. We do. We appreciate it. Yeah, I know you're a busy man, so we won't keep you long. I did want to have you on, though, because it, that was quite the spectacle. It wasn't long. We know that, but it was still quite the spectacle yesterday. Here's my question for you, Joe. What was your expectation coming in to David Tepper's press conference, and how did that differ from the end? Yeah, excuse me. I didn't have super high expectations. Um, I was telling somebody yesterday that after he fired Rivera and I think Ernie, he did kind of a smaller media thing, not that kind of big spectacle that yesterday was. And it was, I mean, there's still a bunch of us like around a table, but, um, you know, as the interest in the, the Panthers, excuse me, in the NFL has grown, they could. I thought. My point is, I thought he was better in that smaller setting. After the, we just got more information. Yesterday, there was so very little information and some weird stuff too, as you saw. Yeah, I was going to ask you. This was my next question. You talk about the little information. What do you think was the most substance we got from David Tepper yesterday? Like, what was the thing that we could actually take away as legitimate information? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> it's, no, I know. I'm sorry. I mean, it's I, loaded. Yeah. I, I'm not being facetious. I mean, 
like the the only time he kind of went off script and and you know talked in specifics rather than generalities was right at the end when he was asked about Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. So that was interesting. Uh, you know, and him, I, I don't think we expected him to get up there and dump on Bryce Young. I mean, so, so the endorsement wasn't all that interesting or surprising. But, you know, the, the fact he has talked and others have talked, we've reported in The Athletic, you know, that three-team deal where they were going to go up two and Houston was going to go up to one and the Bears would go down a little farther. And, um, he, you know, but, but to hear him, I mean, really, that when when you hear that how that played out, you you can't help but think, boy. But for you know, but for the uh, Texans owner stepping in and kind of squashing that deal, the Panthers very well may have ended up with C.J. Stroud, kept D.J. Moore potentially, and um, uh, you know didn't didn't lose the number one overall pick. Joe, when you talk about this press conference and a lot of people felt like it was a lot of time wasted, a lot of nothing said. What was the point of the presser, do you think, from his perspective, if you could get inside of Tepper's mind, so to speak? No, that's a great question. I did think they, uh, Tepper and his handlers, really made a point to try to present him as more humble than we've seen him in the past. You know, we've seen him be kind of condescending at some of these press conferences, combative. And yesterday he just, you know, he, he kind of had a more of a, a, a humble tone uh, talking about his poor upbringing as a fan in Pittsburgh. And, I, you know, Nicole and I are just fans too and want to get this right and we're committed to getting this right. Like, look, I don't think there's any ever been any question that David Tepper wants to win. I just think sometimes he maybe wants to win too much. And, you know, Teddy Bridgewater's not working. Let's let's trade for Sam Darnold. Let's throw money at Baker Mayfield. That didn't work. Let's do whatever we need to to move up to number one. And, it, you know, it, it's just sometimes you got to take a breath, take a step back, and kind of let your football people make the football decisions. And, uh yeah, you know, I don't know if he's capable of that. I, that was the point of my, my first question. And, you know, he did say we've got to do some self-reflecting. Uh, you know, Panther fans can only hope that's true. So when he said that we can speculate on the different reasons that this or that happened, what do you think maybe are some of the right things to speculate? You talking about why it didn't work with Frank Reich? Frank Reich, yeah, when he was saying, you know, things happen in here, and I'll let you guys speculate mm-hmm. and, and things of that nature. What are some of the things that the fans could be right with speculating? It, yeah, I don't think there's any like real anything like egregious or any smoking guns. I, I I do think there was sort of a disconnect in the offensive meeting rooms because they did bring in all of these. I, I mean, you know, big names and qualified up-and-coming offensive coaches like Thomas Brown and and Josh McCown. And I just think that they didn't – several of them, Thomas Brown specifically, didn't have any background with Frank Reich. And so I think it was – the way I phrased it in my column today, it was kind of a messy merger. It was, you know, that – and, you know, you talk to other 
folks and coaches around the league, and they're like, you know, what's the Panthers' identity? I mean, they're they're, they're running the Rams' uh, outside zone stuff that that Thomas Brown brought. They're still doing kind of a lot of the horizontal horizontal stretch, no huddle, shotgun stuff that Frank Reich was introduced to back when he played with the Buffalo Bills, and. I don't know. It just felt like they could never quite get on the same page. And I, I think that's part of the reason now why we see Thomas Brown and Jim Caldwell staying on to run the offense and Josh McCown and Deuce Staley, who were big, you know, big time backers and, and had a long history with Frank Reich, especially Deuce Staley. Mm-hmm. We see them moving on. And then, so after assembling this all-star coaching staff and putting that in air quotes, what do you think is more important for next season, getting the right personnel or getting the right head coach and coaching staff again? I think it's a combination. I mean, you, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't, I know we've, I know I keep hearing like, boy, if CJ Stroud was, was in this. Here's the thing. I, I don't, this roster's flawed right now. It's not a good roster. Some of it was by, you know, bad injury luck. But, you know, every team goes through injuries. Just happened to hit the Panthers this year in the secondary and at guard. But, um, you know, the, the defense, despite those inter- injuries, Jero Averro has mostly kept things together over there. I know they're not creating takeaways. And, you know, it, they're okay. You know, I'm not saying this is any top 10 defense. Um, but offense... You know, I think they were going to, even before Brady Christensen, Austin Corbett, all those guards went down with injuries. I think opposing defenses were going to come up the middle in the A A gap and B gap against the Panthers to try to cloud Bryce Young's vision at five foot ten. And I think the injuries there have just sort of created a perfect storm. And you know you can see it like you 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 can see the pocket start breaking down from the, the middle in, and Bryce can't really see over that that muck, and he kind of he, he either like darts out to the right and throws it out of bounds, or he just sort of ducks into it, and it's yeah, they they those injuries hurt because I think I think Brady Christensen and Austin Corbett were were special. I think we all knew how good Corbett was. I think Brady Christensen was uh, better than maybe some of us or a lot of us gave him credit for. Joe, there's two more questions. I know you're busy. I just wanted to get two more in. One. No, you guys you guys are good, man. I'm in the car heading to practice. So uh, shoot. Sweet. We got you. All right. So, one, and here I am trying to fire off a question at the end, just like you were in the press conference yesterday. We all heard you watching it, asking about Scott Fitter. David Tepper just kept on walking, and eventually he exits the room. Do you have any feel on Scott Fitter, whether he returns or not? And has, has that information changed based on Frank Reich's firing or anything that's happened the last Last week, so if I, no, I don't have any like hard and fast information, or I would have reported it. Sure. I think it just reading the tea leaves. It, it feels like well, one. I think David Tepper's still evaluating it. I think, um, and it may depend, guys, on on who he hires as head coach. I mean, I don't think Bill Belichick, and I know that's a whole other discussion, and it would involve a trade. But if, if that's the route Tapper wants to go, and others, um, he, he's got to give Belichick personnel control. And Scott, he's not going to want Scott Fitter hanging around for that. Um, 
I thought it was somewhat telling. Maybe I'm over, you know, reacting to this. But Scott Fitter wasn't in the room yesterday. And asking around to a couple people around the league, they're like, oh, yeah, that's unusual. Usually at something like that, the GM's sitting there. So, again, maybe it's nothing, maybe it's something. Um, I like Scott Fitter. I think, I think you know, he's a good dude. He's, he's paid his due to, in this business. But, you know, the roster is the roster. And he was hamstrung a little bit his first couple years because, as you guys know, Matt Rule had, had control of the 53. Um, but, but, you know, Fitter had it now for the last year plus. And uh, it's just, uh, you know, th- things got to improve there. And maybe Tepper keeps him on, you know, but I don't know. I, it, it, I don't want to speculate, but it, 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 it feels like Tepper, all these changes we've talked about Tepper making in six years as owner, the one thing he's never done is do the GM and the coach at the same time. So maybe maybe that's what he's considering this time. All right, last thing, Joe. You and Richard Deitch of The Athletic talked about Greg Olson being interested in the Panthers' vacancy if he were approached. What, are the, what is the likelihood you think he would be approached, and what are the chances he could be the next head coach of Carolina? Well, here's the thing. I, Greg Olson knows a ton of football, and, and that's not just because he's calling games. I mean, he... When, when he played here, you guys were around him. I mean, he was a go-to quote in the locker room because he had a vision for the game and for formation, for, for all of it, strategy. And he happened to be able to articulate it very well. So, like, that said, you know, there there is still this stigma in the NFL about you, or, or at least this blueprint, I should say, that you've got to pay your dues. You've got to come in, start as an offensive quality control coach, sleep on the couch, graduate to tight end coach, graduate to offensive coordinator, this and that. And and David Tepper has already kind of made an outside-the-box hire with Matt Rule two cycles ago, uh, or you know what I mean, two hires ago. And um, I don't know. I think there would be a lot of backlash that, that he might, frankly, Dave Tapper's taking so, so much of a public beating. I don't know that he'd be up for another one. It's interesting, especially, by the way, in, in light of Jeff Saturday's performance uh, last last season. So I don't know. I'd say it's, it's probably the longest of long shots, but uh, it, it's, it's interesting to think about. Yeah, that's great stuff, as always, from Joe Person. Follow him on Twitter, at Joseph Person, and go check out among the many articles up there right now. On More on Greg Olson, his takeaways from the Dave Tepper press conference. Again, go follow all of them on his timeline, at Joseph Person. We appreciate the time, as always, man. Thanks again. All right. Have a good rest of the week. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to 3. Sit tight and stay locked because Instant Replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Earlier this afternoon on The Kyle Bailey Show. We try to have fun, even in the face of a bleak, bleak sports landscape here in the Queen City. It's, I, I told Colin Hoggard earlier today, it's almost like somebody's doing it on purpose. It's like somebody's pulling strings or, or stabbing a voodoo doll. Like the Panthers are an embarrassment right now, nationally speaking. All the crosshairs are on David Tepper. The organization's being mocked and ridiculed and laughed at. And then to not just, you know, pour salt in our wounds, but just, you know, to lop off an injured limb. LaMelo Ball is going to be out probably four to six yeah. weeks with, with an ankle injury. Uh, uh, Coach Matt's already back in studio. Th- things are bad right now. It's <laughs> We're it down is, bad. It is not good. <laughs> I mean, it, like you're 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 right on. I mean, it, it, like the Hornets are finally in Steve Clifford's two years going to have a healthy roster and 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 some good players. Like Miles Bridges is black, back, right? Terry Rozier, black, two starters, and Lamelo goes down with a, a serious ankle injury. Yeah. It, it, it's not good. Um, and then the owner that can't get out of his own way i think jerry jones is glad that tepper owns a team in the nfl <laughs> because <laughs> you know it 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 takes the shine off of him a little bit although he's in the news with some lady who's claiming to be his daughter but uh anyway oh okay yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah she refiled a, a, a lawsuit okay but anyway, that we're we're here to talk about Charlotte sports. At least we have stuff to talk about. Well, we do have that. There's actually several things I want to talk to you about. Well, just and let's since we're on the Hornets thing, let's get that real quick. I mean, Lamelo was playing so well. He was playing so so well. He was averaging 32, eight and nine over his last hand, like eight games, I believe. Um, I mean, coach, you could tell he he'd been putting in the work. I mean, that guy. He's getting better at finishing through traffic. I mean, he's making better decisions with the basketball. The jump shot came back after a slow start. Like, you, I think we were legitimately watching a kid start to level up. And now, again, his fifth serious ankle injury in the last two years. And and I'll throw in this, and I'll give you the floor, because our very own Walker Mail interviewed LaMelo, I think, last week at the Spectrum Center and asked him specifically about the ankle braces. I have a lot of listeners that will make a deal about the Puma shoes that he's wearing as part of his endorsement deal. But, you know, LaMelo came out and said that, yeah, he tapes up his ankles, but he won't play in the braces because they hurt him too much. I, if I were him, I, I think I'd have to reconsider about playing in those braces moving forward. I know they're painful to break in. But, I mean, well, nowadays you don't really, I mean, I don't know. I've never played with ankle braces. I've had my ankles taped. Um, and I think you have to do something to your ankles. I mean, you know, like it used to be mandatory. You have to either tape or use braces. And I would imagine today that the braces are such that, you know, it's not much of breaking in. It used to be like, you know, you had to break stuff in, but now the, the materials are so good that you don't. Like, guys used to have to break in their shoes before uh, they'd wear them. they wear them in practice for a couple weeks before they wear them in a game. Now they break out a new pair every game. So, um, I, I don't know about that, but it's it's concerning. You know, like, and you hate to put this on a guy because we, we, we had it with Gordon Haywood. Or, are you injury prone? Oh, like I said it. And I said, well, probably a lot of people are thinking. And you hope that's not the case. But boy, oh boy, you know, 
it, it, it's not a good sign, and it, it, it's it's concerning uh, for the young man. Um, you know, and his brother had a serious knee injury. He's, I b- believe, out right now. So um, I, we're, we've entered territory where we have to ask, what's worse, Lamelo's ankles or Lonzo's knee? I mean, yeah. and I'm not—I don't say that to be flippant or you know to make light of it, but like they're. They're both dealing with serious chronic injuries that are threatening their ability to to stay on the court. Yeah, and then when you you're guaranteed that kind of money, you're that important to a franchise. It 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 sets you back. It sets you back, uh, just like it does when you make a bad pick in the NBA draft. You you talk a lot about leadership. Yeah. On the show. All right. So let's go to David Tepper. Oh, gosh. Yes. This is a great case study. I couldn't wait. No. What, David, David who? The Inteptitude of yeah, the Carolina the, Panthers. King Tep? Yeah. That's what I, I, I came up with that and named it my the newest episode of my podcast. The podcast of Roman. I was I was sitting there at the computer today and I was like, what am I going to name this podcast episode? Inteptitude. I was, I was very proud of myself. <laughs> that's I was, good. I was very proud of myself. That's good. Um, but what did you think about that? 13 minutes. That's it. Yeah, and I heard I heard it, it was really going to be ten until our you know very own Brett Jensen asked a question and extended it. Oh, he minutes. bulldogged it. He bulldogged it. Uh, Brett's Brett can do that. Yeah, and that's why he's good. So uh, listen, um, I didn't see it, but I heard it. I heard it on you know talked about on 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 WFNZ. If you are a leader, you've got to be out and communicating. You've got to control the narrative. You've got to face the music. And he didn't do that. He shied away from it. He wanted to be protected. And it's it's not a good look. Um, and so he's come into this town, and we don't really know him. And it's easy to stand up there when you take over the franchise, when you hire a new coach, when you get the number one draft pick. But you really... You really earn your credibility in the face of adversity, and every leader deals with it, but this is maybe the first time he had to deal with it in public. You know, it's one thing, you know, in his his business, when things don't go well, you're you're facing maybe some media um, and, and your team. In the NFL, you're facing not only a national media, but an international media. And so that's a different pressure. And so if you don't stand up and face and deliver a real message and take questions, you show a lack of backbone. And I think people don't respect that. Uh, Listen, I, I coached at North Carolina. My first year, we were number one in the country. I was national coach of the year. My next year, we were 8-20, and 20, the worst record in Carolina basketball history. And the toughest thing I had to do after every game was go to the bank of microphones and stand in front of anywhere from 20 to 50-plus media and be asked questions like, you know, what's it like? Or why are you losing? And, you know, I could have blamed other people. I didn't. I think that's the, you take the high road. Uh, Bill Belichick says, when you win, say little. When you lose, say less. Right? So you have to address the media. I mean, I th- I th- I th- that Tepper definitely got that memo. But you've got to at least address and give them something concrete and, and you know, own it. Own I, it. I, I thought it was, I referenced this yesterday. Joe Person 
who did uh, shout at David Tepper in the 14th minute as he was walking off the stage, what about Scott Fitterer? Uh, to no avail. But, uh, you know, Joe tweeted something that I, I actually agree with. He said he thought he heard more humility in David Tepper's voice in the beginning. And I did, too. I thought I heard a guy who was about to be the most, you know, um, humbled version of himself that we'd ever heard. And then he steered into, well, I'll let you speculate if you want to. You're free to, to speculate about that. He told us to speculate more, like three times in that 13-minute span. And I was, I just was thinking to myself, probably like others, well, then why are we here? Like, I, I, you've called us here. You've assembled us here. Hell, David Tepper put on a suit and tie yesterday, um, which isn't often when he addresses us. And I don't really care about it. But, I, you know, it felt like a more formal occasion where we were going to be sitting across from him for 30, 45 minutes and actually getting some clarity or at least an opening statement. That was another thing, too. Like, if you're bringing together the assembled media to talk about this and you don't have an, an, an opening statement, it kind of tells me you don't really have anything to say. You're just there because you feel obl obligated to be there. Yeah. You've got to uh, – listen, the guy's a billionaire. He can do what he wants. He can do what he wants, but it's not a good look. You know, you still want your brand. Because at the end of the day, this is – people talk about legacy. And is that important or not? Well, when you have FU money, it's maybe not that important. But I think it is still, at the end of the day, you still care what people think about you. And and if you don't, hmm, hmm, I don't know about that. But, you know, be prepared. Be prepared. Give a opening statement. And I'm sure he was coached, right? The, the PR there, you know, they're, they're competent people. It's not their first rodeo, right? They, they would be coaching him, and, and he has to take the coaching. And ultimately, he's the boss. So he said, I don't want an opening statement, and I only want to be there 10 minutes. And after 10 minutes, no more questions, and get me off the stage. Yep. Um, I, I, I want to move on to something. But real quick, uh, Texter said, to be fair, he did have an opening statement. No, he didn't. He acknowledged that Frank Reich's a good guy. He thanked him for his service, said the same thing about Josh McCown and Deuce Staley, and then said, and with that, I'll open it up to questions. That's not an opening statement. Um, and I'm not trying to you know, argue semantics with you. It's just not. He said, hey, thanks to Frank. He's a great guy. Same for Josh and Deuce. We appreciate their time and their service. Uh, now I'll take questions. That's not an opening statement. Uh, that's just an acknowledgement. Now, we have the ACC-SEC challenge that began last night. Uh, NC State offensively just horrific against Ole Miss last night. Chris Beard's already got the, you know, the Rebs rolling out there in, uh, in Oxford. And then tonight, we get Duke-Arkansas, which has obvious tons of history to it. And we get Carolina-Tennessee. Is Carolina ready for that physical matchup tonight? I think the, the 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 veterans are probably, but what about the rest of this team? Yeah, I think this team is better suited for a physical matchup um, than some of the other roster, you know, the past rosters. I, I think that you have Baycott, who's thirty eight years old. Um, who's older, him or Cormac Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is Cormac going to play? I thought Cormac played with you, and then he came back with some eligibility yeah, left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, don't, I haven't seen any update on he that. He looks be like uh, Jerry Quarry. Now, Jerry now that's that's going back. Google Jerry Quarry. He was a boxer. He's got those eyes. Like, How do you spell Quarry? Q U, I believe A R O Y. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. Oh, wow, that's good. Isn't it good? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah. Hey, he's got those eyes. Like he looks like he's been cut a few times in the corner. Um, like a young Jerry Quarry. Yeah. I see it. I see it. <laughs> and so um, they, they, I think, have uh, a, a roster that is more mature. And can handle uh, the physical play of a team like Tennessee, and, and I think that when you have a guy like uh, um, Ryan, you have a guy like Ingram, um, you have obviously Baycott. 
I think they've got more depth. You know, they're coming up, up off the bench with some more athleticism. Uh, I think that uh, I, I think that they could withstand a little bit more. Yeah, I think they can. I'm right there with you. Uh, before I let you go, I, I, you and I hopefully can return to, to two segments next week. We, we can talk about it off the air. I'd love to. I think we should do that. We yeah. should go back to two segments starting like next week. I, I'd love to. It's about that time. It's about that time of year. It's that, it's that time of year. That, yeah. But I did get a, a Wolfpacker. Which you know normally can mean it's 50-50 on whether it's nice or not. But uh, Wolfpack James says, I don't give a damn about Darty's thoughts on the Panthers. I want to hear what he has to say for North Carolina's sorry football team. Yeah, no, I'll tell you what, uh, and I appreciate that, and I'm not going to duck it. We stink. I mean, we've gone in reverse in the last month. And, you know, I think that, you know, at the end of the day, um, they're, they're not playing good football. And, and so why does that happen? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, is it, um, you know, I've heard someone say preseason, they do a great job of conditioning. And once practice start, games start, they back off the intensity in practice. Is that, is that a, a, a hypothesis? Is that, is that a reason? Is that legit? I don't know. But they, they have gone in reverse. They, they've not gotten better. And I think through the season, every team, like you look at Alabama football, They've gotten better. You got to get better. My number one goal as a coach, my number one goal as a human being, number one, get better today. Did you get better today? You know, and you can control that. You know, learn something new, work out, help a teammate, you know, simple things. Did you get better today? And unfortunately, Carolina football hasn't done that in the last several weeks. And it's disheartening. Good to see you, coach. You too. You've tuned into Instant Replay when the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan.